TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. And welcome back to... Overnight America. I am uh, ugh, not liking what I'm seeing right now in the Georgia runoff. So 92% of the expected votes are in. And the New York Times put out that they're confident both Democrats will win. So Warnock and Ossoff will both get victories there. Um, they're saying that there's a 91% chance that Ossoff will beat Purdue. And there's a 90, more than a 95% chance that Warnock will beat Loeffler. Now, as of right now, the both Republican Senate races, both of the Republicans are up, but there's the predominantly Democrat areas that why do they wait until it's 11.09 p.m. Eastern time? Why do they wait that long to count those votes? You know, why is it that they can't get their stuff together and get that out there early and wait for this late night dump like they did during the general election, which is going to cause a lot more people to feel very uneasy about this yet again and question what's going on in Georgia? You know, why wouldn't you want to try to get your things up there and ready to go just so you know you're going to avoid that to begin with? But here it is. Uh, we'll keep you updated if there's anything changing, but not feeling good. Uh, man, 92% in. I don't know if we'll get an answer tonight or not. I'm waiting to see if the Secretary of State has another one of those press conferences. I've been keeping an eye on CBS News to see if they have any update there. Tight race continues. Let's just out of curiosity see what CBS News is talking about. His agenda and his ability to get things done uh, in uh, w- with Congress. Um, and that's what we've been hearing also from Democratic voters is that they want to, they see this race as, a, as having national implications. I mean, of course, the balance of power of the Senate is, is critical, and both sides have been arguing on those, uh, those merits. But for Biden, he's looking at the near term, getting those confirmations of his key appointments uh, through, but also bigger picture items. Uh, and when you look at kind of the, the, the stimulus package as, as an example, uh, Democrats here have been pushing for $2,000 direct payments uh, to to Americans. This is something, of course, the president himself supports, something that Joe Biden also supports. And Democrats here have been arguing that, you know, they need more Democrats in in the Senate to be able to actually pass measures like that. So focusing kind of on the bigger picture, but also on some immediate uh, issues at hand as well. So this could be uh, critical. This is critical uh, for Biden in terms of determining what he can get done. 
Yeah, boy. All right. There it is. So when there's more updates here, still at about 92% in those races in the Senate, I'm still waiting to see what happens with the Secretary of State there. He did give a pretty good update last time. We'll see if he gives another one of these addresses here tonight. Uh, a few other things I wanted to get to, but we've kept things flexible. So if there's something you want to call in on, you can at 314-436-7900. Kevin Klein has another great, whole other story. I feel like we almost need a break from the seriousness. And then I turn to Kevin Klein, and it is another serious issue talking about COVID and fighting COVID. I first started having symptoms on November the 1st, and it was just like some headaches and a few body aches and took some Tylenol that kind of went away. Then it came back several hours later, and then it persisted over a couple of days, and then my bones started hurting. I mean, it was like someone was sticking needles in my bones, and all I wanted to do is go to sleep and wake up and it'd be over with. It's over with now, but Alderman Jeffrey Boyd says... His fight with COVID was a drawn out thing. I lost about 15 pounds. Um, after the two weeks of um, body aches and headaches, I developed the cough. Some people got the cough early. I got the cough afterwards. It lasted for a couple of weeks. It was very miserable, uh, just like coughing for no reason. And finally, I got introduced to Mucinex DM 12 hour. And it made my life normal again after two days. Boyd will be celebrating his 57th birthday next week. And he is thankful. He says he didn't have it as bad as some. Well, actually, I didn't have any fever. The only um, symptoms I had with COVID-19 were extreme body aches and headaches. And then the after effect of coughs. But didn't have fever. Didn't have hard time breathing. Thank God no one in my family, it was six of us, um, had any hard time breathing. Only my mother-in-law lost um smell and taste um but we're blessed that we didn't go to the hospital went on ventilator so god is good and i am so excited about 2021 i'm gonna love myself more than anybody ever thought i did including me they're coming to get you <laughs> who's not me no i'm doing good they must be looking for the other guy that's alderman jeffrey boyd recovered from covid with a whole nother story i'm kevin killeen uh-huh there it is uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. The few things I wanted to get to, and I really just wanted to talk to you tonight, but I wanted to talk about that Fox two story about the tiny homes. There's an update. So in December, they put these tiny homes together. Essentially they're sheds with uh, beds on the inside. And the men, uh, the idea was to take care of the homeless population, vulnerable homeless population to get them off the streets during these cold winter months and give them an opportunity. So they have at least some place to stay in order to work towards that opportunity. Well, there's an update on that. Fox 2 talked about it, and apparently it's not going so great. We'll uh, explain coming up, too. It's Overnight America KMOX. Get home fast and informed. Total Information PM starts weekdays at 4 on St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX and KMOX.com. In Overnight America is with you tonight. Ryan Recker Radio on Facebook. I'd like it if you were to connect with me on there. So Fox 2 did a story, uh, an update really, about the city of St. Louis's tiny homes that they decided to put together. And there was a story back in December, we covered it here on this show, and the idea of these tiny homes. They call them tiny homes, but they're really sheds. They, they look like outdoor backyard sheds. Instead of there being a typical shed door on them, they retrofit these things with a couple of small windows, and then they put what would be like a regular door. Uh, it you know, nothing, nothing fancy, just a regular door, almost like a garage door or something, not like a, you know what I mean? 
not like what you would see decorative, just nothing fancy. White door, padlock, handle with a lock type of deal. I got a pretty good look at it in this Fox 2 video, and it's the first time I've seen one of them on the inside. So if you think of your typical type of shed in the backyard, you got some pretty good space in there to put a lot of the things, the lawnmower, the weed whacker, the wheelbarrows, you know, whatever. And it looks like they drywalled the inside of these sheds. And I think in the back, there's an air conditioning window unit that they hard fixed into this. But I think they must have sealed it in because it's the winter, obviously. And they want to make sure it doesn't get too cold, but it looks well insulated. There's just enough room for a bed. It's basically framed out. So there's a bunch of, you know, wood frames. It's nothing that you would expect from your decorative type of tiny homes that people try to build to look like, you know, fancy RVs or whatever. And in this case, there's a small desk, just basically wood lumber put together and a chair and then the bed and that's it. So storage for one person that can stay in this the idea is you're homeless you have no place to go it's cold they can get you off the street and they put these programs together to help the homeless and they had the big grand opening so they had this big rv park and they had all of these tiny homes set up ready to go and this was december and homeless were meant to go move in in december fox 2 did an update so let's see how many homeless people may have moved in and started using these because it's not a, a cheap thing to do 50 tiny homes now sit on a lot that used to be an RV park on North Jefferson. Mark, Bonnie, and his wife were excited when they heard about this project. About a year ago, they started a ministry called the Hands and Feet of Jesus. We are involved in getting out there and actually dealing with the individuals that are on the street, not necessarily in the big camps and other things. Initially, Mayor Lida Krusen said she wanted to start welcoming people into the tiny home village December 1st. Mark would regularly check on the progress of the village. It's like watching our own home being built. Yeah, I can imagine if you if you have an investment in something like that, you see them move this in, cart in all of these tiny homes, about 50 of them put in, try to help the homeless. Good idea. Uh, we're just so excited for the various people that are out there and really need this. The homes were moved in the first week of December. Mark says the village looked vacant and the main building with the showers looked like it was still boarded up. Yeah. Disappointing to see with the tremendous need out there, especially this time of year. If it was in mid-July, we'd have a better situation. But with temperatures dropping below 20s now at night, it's very concerning to see all of this money that's obviously been spent, but yet isn't benefiting anyone who needs it. To me, that almost seems like government in a nutshell, isn't it? They spend all of this money, they put all of these things together, and it just sits there waiting. <laughs> and, and what's going to happen? Maybe this is a big discovery problem. They've talked about how the homeless really have no idea how to get their hands on resources. I know that, at least from my conversations with Larry Rice, who works a lot with the homeless in the city of St. Louis. The city did everything they could to try to hassle Larry Rice. I mean, he had a facility. He was trying to turn people's lives around. He was doing some really great work. And then, man, they did everything they could to keep his homeless shelter closed every step of the way. It's pretty disappointing. They spent all of this money on these tiny homes. And what happens? Not being used. <laughs> or they're not welcoming in them in. He said a lot of it is a discovery. So the homeless just doesn't know where to go. So even if there is a homeless shelter that has open beds, the homeless don't know. They don't know where to go. They know that they could go to here or go there, but they might be turned away. 
they might have to go through an application process. They might have to do this. Now you're waiting for bureaucracy to make its way through. And in the case of the government, if they have to go through this process of trying to apply for these things, and then you're waiting to hear back. I mean, imagine you're homeless right now in downtown St. Louis, what it's 36 degrees roughly at our last check. We'll get another forecast update here in about 10 minutes. But when you had these these uh, extreme weather conditions and you're sitting there thinking, well, if they'd only approve me, I can get in. But maybe they just can't find it. Maybe they just don't know this resource is out there. Maybe they don't want to play ball. You know, sometimes when you're homeless, you just don't want to uh, give up whatever freedoms you may have. Maybe you reject this sort of thing. You don't want to have to comply with what's necessary to keep the thing. Maybe you don't trust other people. Maybe you don't trust being around other homeless people. So you try to keep away from them. You don't want it to be some sort of homeless community. In fact, you don't like there's some sort of hierarchy or, you know, a homeless mayor of an encampment or whatever and their own self-policing. You may think it's too dangerous. You may not like what's around you and the things that they're doing. So you might say, ah, this isn't for me. There's probably a lot of reasons why this isn't being used, but maybe the biggest reason is, I don't know, maybe the government is just not fast enough to approve these. Or maybe they're just not welcoming or just not getting the word out. Who knows? A spokesperson for Mayor Krusen says that the village isn't vacant. Some of the homes have been occupied for about a month. They say moving people in is a gradual process that requires screening potential residents to see if they'll succeed in the environment. The mayor's office is working with a provider and the Department of Human Services to fill the space. I didn't hear back from them on how many of the 50 homes are currently occupied. Mark says he would love to see the village busy and thriving with even more homes added. And he would like to learn more from the city about the submission process. I'm hoping that outreach groups are going to have a way to get people into the program. It sounds like a wonderful program that's going to go on for several months with uh, monitoring and uh, coaches for these people. And uh, I'm anxious to find out how we can get people in here. Yeah, it would be good. Is sitting there waiting for it to be used. You know what he kind of sounds like? Um, I'm going to admit I've never seen The Princess Bride, which is a very popular movie from the 80s. But there's that one actor in it that does the whole switcheroo scene. And it sounds like that actor. I, I don't know what his name is. With uh, monitoring and uh, coaches for these people. And uh, I'm anxious to find out how we can get people in here. Inconceivable. That guy. Uh, you know who I'm talking about, right? It kind of sounds like him. I've at least, I at least know that part. <laughs> I should probably see that movie at some point. So I hope they get to use it. Now, if they're not saying how many people are occupied, by the sound of it, less than 50%, less than 25% is, is probably less than 25% of the homes that are occupied right now. Probably. They can't give a number on that sort of thing. Maybe they just don't know. But if you have someone that is very well, I mean, on top of this, if he's going by it all the time, he wants to get an update on these things. If they want to force their way to, you know, see if they're using the facilities or whatever's out there. And he's daily checking in on this thing and he's not seeing any activity. It's got to be less than what, 25% that's using this. I would like to see a number. Honestly, I, I would like to know what that number is and how they're doing it. It's 314436. 7,900. And, you know, it's a good idea. Just get some people in. We got to move a little quicker on this. All right. It's getting cold. Ain't nobody want to be sleeping on the streets this time of year. Text message came in a while ago. It said, uh, let's not let McConnell off the hook for backing the money to go overseas, but say that we don't deserve our own money. That's an interesting thing. Why wouldn't the Republicans try to 
make a bigger fuss about what's going in when it comes to overseas funding, when it came to the last stimulus package and trying to draw a line there and say, no, cut this sort of thing out. One person also texted in, they've stopped counting for the night in Chatham County. Yeah, I saw that reported too. And that's not good. I think they said eight o'clock tomorrow morning, they're going to kick back in. So that's not tomorrow uh, Eastern. So they're about 96% of the uh, votes are in. And still, it's about 50-50 both ways. And a lot of the votes that need to come in are predominantly Democrat areas. So this is where the two Democrat nominees are going to start making their grounds back. And it sounds like that there's going to be a lot of votes coming their way here soon. And it's not going to be good for Republicans. Um, wow. Okay, I'm still looking here. It says a campaign can request a recount if the margin is within 0.5 percentage points. I wonder if it's going to be that close. Another recount, another recount, and another recount. It says, with the DeKalb results ingested, the needle thinks both Democrats are more than 95% likely to win the Georgia races. Oh, no. I think that's the New York Times reporting that one. Mm. Could a, a, a Warnock projection be imminent? Some people are wondering. And this is just from 1019 Central Time. So a little less than 10 minutes ago, they're starting to say with the latest dump, 96% in. Man, that really is upsetting to hear. Both Senate seats could be going to the Democrats tonight. Ugh. I don't want to accept that right now. I really don't want to ruin the night thinking about it, honestly. But that is maybe the reality that we're faced with. 50-50 in the Senate. Tiebreaker goes to the Democrats. Things get more progressive, and they're going to push everything they can. Ugh, uh, uh, uh. A few other things I wanted to get to. Oh, we only got about two minutes here. I don't know if you saw this too. Alex Trebek, his final episodes of Jeopardy are airing this week. We'll talk about that in a moment because one of his moments that he spoke directly to his fans was uh, aired. And I wanted to play that for you so you, so you can hear it. The last couple of nights were strange. Tanya Roberts is an actress who was in a James Bond movie. She was in that 70s show, that sitcom in the 70s. Uh, I think she was a Charlie's Angel for a season. They kept mentioning these things. It was reported on Sunday night that she passed away after collapsing at her house. And then we find out on Monday that, no, she actually didn't pass away, but she was still in critical condition. And then Monday night, officially, both the publicist and I think the uh, estranged boyfriend was reporting that, yes, they uh, she actually ended up passing away. So maybe a little bit premature on Sunday, but imminent. Kind of strange, though, because he was given an interview with Inside Access Hollywood or something, or Inside Edition or one of them. And while he was giving that interview, he gets the phone call from the hospital saying that she was still alive. So that was the update from last night, but about 9.30 Pacific time, so 9, 10, 11.30 Central time, roughly, uh, Roberts passed away in the hospital out there. Real sad, all things considered, the wild ride when it comes to that. But wow, what a couple of days there. Even the publicist putting it out there goes to show you how fast news can travel. That's untrue. When we come back, we're also going to take a look at your weather. We'll get an update from CBS News and see if they have any new projections there or what's coming in. And then I want to talk a little bit about Alex Trebek and his final episodes on Jeopardy and how you can watch them, because I know a lot of people are interested in seeing that. And some news out of Kenosha, Wisconsin. If you haven't seen that, uh, one of the officers has no charges coming his way when it comes to the Jacob Blake shooting. So a lot of people are talking about that and gearing up in Kenosha. What could be happening next? This is Overnight America on KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. 
news. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. News Radio 1120 KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Both looks like both the um, Democrats, according to New York Times, have about a 95 percent chance of winning based on what votes are left to be counted. Now, that is um, depressing to me. (laughs) Oh, man, Uh, did not want to see this happen. Two losses in Georgia is not good. Oh, boy. Well, this is still playing out, of course. Uh, and if anything comes out of that, we'll let you know. But 96% of the expected vote is out there. I'm still watching CBS News to see if they got anything there. Mostly they're talking about other things going on other than this race. But it's uh, in counties with over 95% of the expected vote reporting. Ossoff is uh, overperforming Biden in most of them. But still, that's the thing. Uh, as the Democrat that is outperforming where Biden was, it means that if you were to count up these other areas the way that Biden has won them, then it would look like he would have enough to overtake Purdue as the Republican incumbent in that case. Same thing with Loeffler. Uh, Loeffler is still down in votes. They're still about 50-50. I mean, both are very close. But, you know, looking at the edge in that, it's definitely Warnock, and it's not looking good for the two Republicans there. Hate to uh, bring that out there, honestly. I just feel feels uh, depressing right now to have to bring that to you tonight. Uh, let me do this. I, there's a story that I think is at least a little bit uh, sad, and it's bittersweet in a way because Alex Trebek had all kinds of messages for his fans and his people, and I think he recorded these knowing that his end was near and knowing that he was continuing to battle his cancer and was still recording his show. I think he recorded it all the way up until about a week he passed away. And they wondered, when would these new episodes be aired? This is the week that they're airing on NBC. So if you're watching them here in St. Louis, it's on Channel 5. And through the week from 4.30 until 5 Central Time, Those when that's when Jeopardy airs. And then it looks like this Friday would be the very last episode of Alex Trebek, the last airing of his last new episode. And then after that, they'll go to guest hosts that will be filling in before they decide whoever that one person will be that will take over that big chair of Alex Trebek's. Well, I guess he didn't really sit, did he? The big shoes of Alex Trebek. He did give one last uh, message, a very touching message. And I think a lot of people look towards these type of moments. You know, what were, you know, whenever a celebrity passes or they're close to it, they say, okay, what was the last interview they gave? What were the last messages and the things that they said? Well, in this case, Alex Trebek was very 
forward knowing that the time was near and was giving messages like this that I thought I would play for you here tonight. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. You'll recall that about a month ago, I asked all of you to take a moment to give thanks for all of the blessings that you enjoy in your lives. Now, today, a different kind of message. This is the season of giving. I know you want to be generous with your family, your friends, your loved ones. But today, I'd like you to go one step further. I'd like you to open up your hands and open up your heart to those who are still suffering because of COVID-19. People who are suffering through no fault of their own. We're trying to build a gentler, kinder society. And if we all pitch in just a little bit, we're going to get there. Aww. Looking out for other people till the very end. Aww. That Alex Trebek seemed like a very cool dude. Seemed like he'd be a fun guy to have around, wouldn't it? Now, he's been played and performed or portrayed, I should say, in many different ways. And you see these interviews that he gave towards the end. You get to learn a little bit more about him. It's got to be a difficult time, too, for his family and his wife who may be watching this and realizing that, okay, the last episode, this will be the last time I'll be able to turn on the TV and see a new episode with you know, his, her husband on the television. So Trebek's last five episodes airing this week, and they wanted to make sure everyone knew that, hey, this is your kind of last chance to see him. He began hosting Jeopardy in 1984. I was one year old. <laughs> and it's hard to imagine the show without him. So Trebek's last episodes were taped on October 29th, just 10 days before his death. The show planned to continue airing those new episodes up until Christmas Day, but they just didn't know how this would play out, obviously. So because of it, they pushed it till after January and continued on in that fashion. Uh, God love you, Alex Trebek. Here's a couple of other things. Uh, you know, there's this other story. Did you see the plagiarism story that has made its way back out? <laughs> Kamala Harris. Oh, this is something else. Do I want to go back to politics right now? I feel like I kind of, there's nothing else to do. And I'm depressed. I'm just sad. I don't know what's going to happen in Georgia, but it's not looking good. I don't like the direction of it. So I feel like I'm just going to go down and see what happens. Maybe if you want to give me some uh, encouraging words, you can call in, but it's not looking good. And same thing tomorrow when it comes to the process of going through the Electoral College in the end. We could still be sitting here at night with them still debating or talking and, and, and uh, objecting to what's going on. That could be happening by this time tomorrow night as they're getting their pajamas on and drinking warm cups of milk as they lay down and fall asleep in their chair through this whole process or whatever it is and checking their phones. But I um, I don't know where we'll be, but I know that we'll be, I guess, uh, banging the gavel. Is that what the vice president does in the end and says, all right, here comes Joe Biden officially as the next president of the United States? Tough couple of days. Um, but there was... Uh, interesting thing that came out today about Kamala Harris with plagiarism. And she has been noted a couple of different times as telling a story, a story that was not her story. And she, she did it on Jimmy Fallon. She did it on C-SPAN. It was a story that she put in her book. Let me play it for you. I'm going to let her tell the story and then I'll read what happened afterwards, because I think that's important to point out that she took this story from Martin Luther King Jr., Wow, of all the people to plagiarize from, you pick Martin Luther King Jr. Like, no one's going to know. I don't know why it took so long to pick this up, too. It seems like someone would have caught on to this pretty quickly if they were to just Google search the story and seen that it was attributed to someone else. 
So let me bring this up. How about Jimmy Fallon first? So here is one of her appearances on Jimmy Fallon talking about this story. Out there protesting. Well, I was in a stroller. <laughs> I was in a stroller. And um, so I was out there. And in fact, my wow. mother used to have a very funny story about I was fussing. And, and, and she said, Kamala, what do you want? And I said, and this is how she would say it. And she said, Kamala, what do you want? And I said, tweet him. <laughs> oh. oh, come on. It was a much cuter story when she would tell it, but that's the story she told. <laughs> All right, so there is Harris with her weird laugh on Jimmy Fallon. Here is Harris on C-SPAN talking about her book with these stories in it. And there are some funny stories. I was just sharing with someone backstage. You know, so I, I witnessed this as I write about in the book, you know, from my stroller's eye view. And um, there's a, a funny family story about how, so my mother's marching with the, the extended family. I talk about like Aunt Mary and Uncle Freddie in the book. And um, she would tell the story about how so they're marching. And this is back when strollers didn't really have armrest and seatbelts. <laughs> <laughs> so they're marching away and, you know, shouting and, and all of that. And then I think it was my Uncle Freddie, you know, uh, looked down and looked in the stroller, which was empty. <laughs> and said, where's Kamala? <laughs> and apparently they left me like a block by and I'd fallen out the stroller. <laughs> There you go. And then my mother would tell a funny story about how, like, one day she, and, and I was fussing, and, and, you know, and so I'm fussing and fussing. She, it, it's much cuter when she would tell the story, but she'd say, so then she would look down at me and Kamala, what do you want? What do you want? And I looked back up at her and I said, freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Now I'm regretting even playing that because I had to listen to that laugh again. All right. So let's go back into the archives. Here is a interview from 1965 with Martin Luther King Jr. Here's what was in his uh, interview. Said, I'll never forget a moment in Birmingham when a white policeman accosted a little girl, seven or eight years old, who was walking in a demonstration with her mother. What do you want? The policeman asked her gruffy. And the little girl looked him straight in the eye and answered, feed him, F-E-E. Dash D-O-M. Feed them. She couldn't even pronounce it, but she knew it. It was beautiful. Many times when I have been in a sorely trying situations, that memory of that little girl has come into my mind. That was Martin Luther King Jr. Do you think that maybe she's taking that story and making it for about herself? Oh, boy. That is pretty lousy if she plagiarized Martin Luther King Jr. to try to make it sound like that was her. Whew. All right. Well, that's not the only thing. It doesn't surprise me because keep in mind her running mate, which is Joe Biden, also got in trouble for plagiarizing. They're kind of like plagiarizing pals together. Those two, you know, back when the news media was actually critical of Joe Biden, they did not let him get away with the plagiarizing back in what, 1988 or so. So here's a little compilation of some of the different news reports of Biden getting called out for plagiarizing even back then. Democratic presidential candidate Joseph Biden today faces a controversy. Three weeks ago at a debate at the Iowa State Fair, he used phrases identical to those delivered by British Labor Party leader Neil Kinnock. Biden seemed to be claiming Kinnock's vision and life as his own. Why is it that my wife is sitting out there in the audience is the first in her family to ever go to college? What is Janice the first woman 
in her family in a thousand generations to be able to get the university. My ancestors who worked in the coal mines in northeast Pennsylvania and come up after 12 hours and play football. Eight hours underground and then come up and play football. It's because they didn't have a platform upon which to stand. There was no platform upon which they could stand. The notion that every thought or notion or idea you'd have to go back and find and attribute to someone, I think is, quite frankly, uh, ludicrous. The problem here is that Senator Biden told his audience he'd just been thinking about these things and he failed to give any credit at all to his famous British speechwriter. You know, I was thinking on the way over here. <laughs> now that's a little too much because as you point out, what's behind the words, what's there? And a lot of people, the rap on Biden has always been that it's just a surface. I should have said, to paraphrase Neil Kinnock, it's the only time I didn't in all the times I've ever used it. But CBS News found a tape of a second instance. It reappeared in the New York Times with a new charge, that Biden had appropriated a famous litany from the late Robert Kennedy about what the gross national product cannot measure. Cannot measure the health of our children. The health of our children. The quality of our education. The quality of their education. The joy of their play. Or the joy of their play. Biden gave Kennedy no credit. He has also quoted or paraphrased John Kennedy, Hubert Humphrey, and British Labor Party leader Neil Kinnock, all without credit. Wow. Pretty obvious, I think. So the plagiarizing pals at it again. <laughs> I think it's pretty clear. Uh, a lot of made up stories. But then again, it's kind of par for the course for the party, I guess. It's Overnight America, KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael's Flooring Outlet.com on KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. Oh, man, we may be pulling a clip here soon. The gold medal game. It's the World Juniors. Is that what it is? The World Champion? Yeah, so 20 and under. And last night we were covering this, and the United States ended up winning in dramatic fashion, meaning they went to the gold medal game against Canada. The United States and Canada is currently playing right now. Ten seconds left. Yeah, bring it up real quick. I think we can do ten seconds, can't we? Let's hear it. USA Hockey wins the World Junior Championship. Red, white, blue, and gold. Awesome. <laughs> That's how you get excited to the end. There it is. The United States ends up winning gold. Breaking news here on Overnight America. Was the final score 2 nothing? Is that what it ended up? Yep, 2 nothing. The final score, United States beats Canada, wins the Junior World Championships. How awesome is that? We caught the very end of the game. That's how you do a call at the end of the game. Red, white, blue, and gold. And the horn goes off in the background. Perfect. Man, did he orchestrate that. Whoever was doing the play-by-play there. Who was the broadcaster? Do we know? I will have to find out who that was. Good for them. Man, they really got that going. So cool. You know, too bad Doc Emmerich's retired. But no, it probably gives a chance for other hockey announcers to get a finally get a chance in there. Uh, can, uh, you know what we'll have to talk about? I'll save this for next hour because we're just we just don't have a ton of time here. But no charges against the Kenosha police officer in the Jason Blake shooting that came out today. And I saw that um, 
uh, Rittenhouse was pleading not guilty today in Kenosha. So I think they call the National Guard in like they have in Washington, D.C., mostly because they're very worried of what could be happening next with all of the uh, unrest and people maybe protesting things like this. Tomorrow, definitely a big protest in Washington as the lawmakers go in when it comes to the process of going state by state and offering an opportunity for members of Congress and senators and uh, the House members to sign off on, hey, we're going to challenge this and we want to air our grievance into this case. Looking in Georgia right now, uh, still, they're saying there's about a 95 percent chance that the Democrats take both the seats, both of them in Georgia right now for the Senate seats. Oh, that is uh, that hurts me to say that. Um, so 98% of the expected votes are in Purdue is currently up on Ossoff by about 2000 votes. It's a slim margin. And in the other one, Warnock and Loeffler are both 50% each, but Warnock is up by, wow, uh, 35,000 votes. If I'm looking at this correctly. So it's very close margins. And looking at some of the other reports that are coming in, it says Fulton and DeKalb are going to have big uh, swaths of votes, says the Georgia, the Georgia voting systems managers at a press conference that's going on right now. But it doesn't look like CBS is covering that press conference right now. Unless CBS has it on in the background, maybe we can take a peek into it. And if we can get that, we can play it for you at the start of the 11 o'clock hour here, or maybe even CBS News will cover some of it at the start of the 11 o'clock hour. But those are very blue counties is what they're saying. So with margins that close, uh, officials are encouraging counties to report everything by one o'clock tomorrow. And, okay, uh, expecting, hmm, one factor shaping in, in, in DeKalb, the remaining early votes in DeKalb are precincts where they expect 90% of the vote coming in for the Democrat challenger there. So not looking good for the Republicans in Georgia tonight. Not looking good at all. And that's the thing. I'm watching CBS News. They're not even covering this right now. I, I've been keeping an eye out on their CBS News network, their digital feed, and the ones that we pop into when it comes to their long-form coverage. And they've been, like right now, this is what they're talking about. They're not even talking about the Georgia election. It takes the effort to walk into that environment, but to find the hope in these really difficult times, it's hard. I actually think it's the most difficult thing to do to find the hope. All right, and here's the headline. Healthcare workers inspire hope through music and poetry. <laughs> we have the Senate seats, and they're 98%. It's like at the very end of the race, you think you'd want to cover this one up until the very end. Ah, who knows? Maybe we'll get some more coming up here in just uh, after the news update here. All right, so what we'll do is in about a minute, we'll take a break. We'll get your CBS News update. We'll get your local KMOX News update here, too, with Maria Kina. And then from there, I'll come in for our last hour. If you want to call in, you can. If you're in Georgia, I know that we do have some listeners in Georgia. Every once in a while, I get a message or sometimes a letter in the mail from our friends in Georgia, which I think is pretty amazing, all things considered. And if you want to call in, you can. 314-436-7900. Maybe you want to message me on Facebook. This would be a good opportunity for you to like me on Facebook, or at least the Ryan Recker radio page. Ryan Recker radio is where you would go in order to uh, get in connection with me there. And it's always good because you can always reach me when I'm not on the show. So if you wanted to drop me, you could. All right. We'll be right back.
This is Overnight America KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 